Hello, everybody. This is Paul. I just wanted to record a quick introduction to the podcast, uh, possibly as a result of an ill-fated decision to drink beer while we recorded the podcast. We made a couple of mistakes. We uh, a few times refer to undergraduate GPA when what we really mean is high school GPA. Uh, also, I just forget some statistics and make up some numbers off the top of my head. So I wanted to go back to the report that I was referencing and give you the correct figures. So the report I talk about found that for an Asian applicant to Harvard, who would have a 25% chance of admission based on their characteristics, like SAT score, high school GPA, um, extracurricular activities, and what have you, if you change their race to white, this report found that their probability of being accepted into Harvard would increase to 36%. If you changed it to Latino, 77%. If you changed it to African-American, 95%. So I just wanted to give those correct figures. This will make more sense if you listen to the pod, I promise. Um, so that's about it. Uh, so here's the pod. Hi, everybody, and welcome to more of a comment than a question. My name is Smithy Mehta, and joining me is my friend and co-host, Paul Connor. Paul, how's your Friday going? It's uh, It's been good. It's been an interesting day, um, but I feel I feel good and, you know, drinking beer now, so that's good. Yeah, we're, <laughs> I'm doing well, too. You know, it's been a long, you know, crazy week, but, um, and it's probably going to get crazier as we get closer to the semester starting. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's Friday after five and we're having a beer and we deserve it. Um, and why are we drinking a beer, Paul? Uh, good question. So, <laughs> uh, earlier in the week, uh, a new episode of one of my favorite podcasts came out. It's called Two Psychologists, Four Beers. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, uh, it's made by two professors at University of Toronto. <laughs> Not sure their names. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, uh, they, um, I was just listening to the pod. It was a really good pod. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. And then they started talking about our fucking podcast. It was amazing. <laughs> I was like walking my dog and I like my heart started beating. I'm like, holy shit, are, are they going to talk about us? Holy shit, they're talking about us. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that was really cool. And yeah, I'm, I'm teasing. I do know their names, Mickey and Yoel. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for the so mention. much for the shout out. We got and a bunch of followers and downloads out of it. And yeah. Was, we've gotten a couple yeah. of downloads, um, the past two days and Mickey sent us a very nice, very, um, thoughtful note saying, you know, that he appreciates what we're doing and that our podcast has given him some courage back. And yeah, we appreciate it so much. Yeah. It was very cool. And we'll yeah. have to have have to have him on soon. Oh, absolutely. That would be very nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're drinking beers. Uh, they're just beers. We're not going to... No, we're, we're not. We're not going to bore you with the details. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, no, we're not going we, to... We, we, what we're not going to do is steal their shtick, right? We're we, not going to... We're not going to... That's like, right. Not, not their, talk about it. We'll else. have our own gimmick. Mm. Um, but we will bore you with some other things. And mm. do you want to introduce yeah, what those yeah. things will be? So... We are going to talk about um, the University of California's decision to drop the SAT uh, as an admission requirement. 
Right. Um, it's a pretty interesting issue. So earlier in the week, I saw a an article, or I guess mm-hmm. a pair of articles, by uh, Professor Andrew Conway, mm-hmm. who's uh, I think largely an intelligence researcher. Not not sure mm-hmm. where he is though. But I know he's on sabbatical because I invited him on the pod and he was just like, no. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> I hope he's enjoying his uh, sabbatical. Wait, uh, but if he can write psychology yeah, today, know, articles. Like, yeah, then- and like, you mm-hmm. know, get extra, mm-hmm. get extra attention for your piece. But hey, yeah, but, uh, each to their own. He doesn't, yeah. he's not enticed we, we by our We can't say our that four, nobody listens to us anymore because it turns fans. out they do. Yeah, yeah we are like. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah, so he wrote this piece and. It's just a, it's a bit of a weird situation in a few ways. Uh, so I thought it would make like an interesting, uh, podcast to talk about. Mm -hmm. So, okay. As far as I understand, and we should both probably preface this with saying that like, we're not really experts on this. No, we're not. We just find it interesting. Yeah. Uh, we've each done a little bit of reading about it Mm -hmm. and. That's how podcasts work. So if you don't like it, <laughs> just, yeah. just. And, and I mean, broadly, we have thought about these issues a bit, right? Like I mm. have thought a lot about just IQ tests and sort of the criticisms that are levied against IQ testing mm. or standardized testing in general, including the GRE. So it's somewhat mm. similar to those topics. So we do have some thoughts to share, but again, yeah, we're no experts by any yeah, stretch. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, okay. Uh, so here's the timeline as far as I understand it. Yeah. Um, in 2018, um, a uh, sort of an advocacy group teamed up with some high school students to hmm. sue the University of California for using the SAT. Hmm. So their basic argument was, um, and I'm kind of assuming the lawsuit is kaput now um, hmm. because, when, you know, they kind of got what they wanted. But any, anyway, so their basic argument was the test is discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Um, because different uh, socioeconomic groups and different racial groups achieve different scores on the test. Right. Like it's um, there's quite large differences between mm-hmm. uh, the scores of different different racial groups. So the argument is the test is therefore discriminatory and it serves as a barrier uh, to marginalized groups to access the University of California. Right. Mm-hmm. Therefore, its use is discriminatory and racist and illegal. Like it's, yeah. it's racial discrimination right. um, mm-hmm. to use the SAT. Okay. Then in, I think, 2019, yeah. the university, perhaps as a response, but perhaps of the, its own volition, regardless mm-hmm. of the lawsuit, because um, I, I think I saw one article where somebody from the university was saying, it's a shame these people have brought this lawsuit. We're already part of the way through a review of our Mm. use of so yeah i'm not totally sure the timeline but anyway the university convenes a working group uh 20 professors from um, the uc system to Mm -hmm. look into the test and to sort of look into like well what is what are the pros and cons like what is the value you know does it work does it predict success Mm -hmm. in college uh and is it discriminatory yeah um and that report has come out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it came out February or March of this year. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So it's been out for a while and it essentially said, mm-hmm. um, well, they, they acknowledge that these discrepancies, discrepancies between yeah. groups exist. Um, mm-hmm. but they also noted that the university of California, like was implementing ways of accounting for, 
um, the yeah. disadvantages of different different groups. So they were sort of taking all this into account when they used the, the mm-hmm. test. Because they use a holistic review process. Yeah, they, like yeah, 14 for. mm-hmm. different things are taken into account uh, yeah. in admissions decisions. Um, they also said that, like, you know, the test does do what it's meant to do in that mm-hmm. it does predict – it does predict students' success uh, yeah. in the first year, and then it's a weaker predictor of like fourth year success in graduation. But it it does more or less do what it, it it's supposed to do, and and it does it, so more than undergrad GPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a better predictor than undergrad GPA, and it's also they said um, has in recent years become has uh, started to explain more variation relative to previous years, whereas undergrad GPA is explaining less variation mm. in more recent years. Um, and, yeah, so they they their overall recommendation was to keep using the test, right. but also to keep working on ways to um, make sure that the test is not being used uh, as, a, as a barrier yeah. Um, yeah. to underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the overall recommendation was, yeah, we, we don't find that the test is discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and well, it depends what you mean by discriminatory, right? Cause the, I mean, the plaintiffs would argue that if there's differences between these groups, it's, it's discriminatory. Right. Um, but that's, I guess, not what the report writers were interpreting it as, as discriminatory. And, and, mm-hmm. from, and I guess this gets to the issues that we're going to discuss is like, right. well, you know, that different groups score differently, but then different groups have different access to education and, and right. diff- different environments they're growing up in. And the test yeah. is just really re- reflecting that. And yeah. you can't, you can't sort of blame the test for all the inequality in the pipeline leading up to this. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, the university comes out and it just recently. So I think in May, mm-hmm. um, says that they're going to dro- drop the test based yeah. on the report. Right. And Andrew Conway's article was interesting because he was just basically the point was like, well, they're not actually doing what the report recommended. Yeah, which is why would you have a task force that's working, you know, very hard from the sound of it for a whole year mm-hmm. to come up with these recommendations that are well thought out and then just not not even heed them? Like, Yeah. I mean, he, so he says that – so the university makes uh, two points – um, and one is that they were sort of arguing that the test is not, it's not actually assessing the things that the university wants to assess in incoming students. So it's not assessing the right content somehow. Oh. And they, in their recommendations, they actually said, and this is, this is weird and, and to me quite dumb. Hmm. They actually said in their recommendations, we're going to stop using the SAT, but we're going to develop our own right. tests yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that won't have any of the problems of the SAT. Right. And then in the next point, they're like, and if we can't do that, we, we, we just won't have any tests. Right. Which is, it's so weird because like the SAT uh, has, people have been working on it for like a hundred years or something like that. Okay. And it's been, it's gone through like really like, enormous amounts of work and revision to try to like resolve problems like being discriminatory against certain groups because these tests Mm -hmm. were originally i believe quite like biased in the in the sense that like um 
they were full of questions that you could only answer if you came from like belong to a, a certain, particular right. ethnic mm-hmm. cultural Separate, background yeah. and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and that people have tried hard for a long time to get rid of these questions. So the idea that the university is just going to be able to like in a few years develop, develop a test something, yeah. that somehow will avoid all these problems and you won't have different groups um scoring at different levels on this test it's just very far-fetched so like what what's basically going to happen is that i don't know i probably my prediction is that they'll put some resources towards test development they'll soon realize that it's really quite difficult to develop this (laughs) this test that they're thinking of and then we just won't have the test and right admissions will rely more on um undergrad gpa and then rich families will put all their time and resources towards yeah, <laughs> making sure like their kids have higher yeah. undergrad gpa and nothing will really have been achieved except it'll be harder for the university to find the best students gosh yeah i mean okay we can come back to the point of should the goal of the university be to find the best students right i think that's an interesting question to ask that we should come back to but what I do want to mention is it's something that I brought up in when we were talking about the GRE, right? Like th- that if to, to get rid of a test to somehow improve educational outcomes is like, like taking away the thermometer or remove the fever, right? Mm. Like that's not how it works. If what you really want is to get more students from certain backgrounds into it, then you need to provide them with the tools and the resources to be able to do well in their education all the way up to high school, mm. right? To actually like improve that pipeline from, you know, just kindergarten through high school that will develop them into people, you know, just help them develop those skills that they need. Because I mean, at the, at the end of the day, your, your SAT or even the jury, right? They're measuring reading, writing, and math skills, all of which I think are important, right? Like to be able to read and write and do math at a certain, like at a certain level, you do need that to be successful in college. Not, well, yeah, mention- like, and I'm sure like there's very talented people that get low SAT scores. Sure. I guess I'm less sure that the vice versa is true, that there's really untalented people that get high scores. But uh, maybe, I guess that's possible with enough test prep i mean obviously like yeah like i think the test I mean, but if you test prep for it enough i would assume you're also just building those skills as you're prepping for it right it's not that yeah. you're just like somehow just doing well on the test it's like oh now you know more words and you yeah yeah right? well i mean yeah i guess what i'm saying is it's it's undeniable that like if your family has a lot of money you can put your thumb on the scale and make sure you do better on the SAT. oh no doubt about it yeah absolutely yeah. not um yeah yeah but so- like at the same time, according to the report, the test is predictive of how well you do in college for all groups. Like, so even, right. you know, mm-hmm. you control for race, you control for socioeconomic status, it's people that score higher on the SAT on average do better in, in college. So, um, so, and we should mention like, if, if it was, a, if the test itself was discriminatory, then this is where we would see the difference, right? We would see that it predicts certain groups performance better but then if it's discriminatory towards let's say hispanic people mm-hmm. right um or latinx um students mm-hmm. then those students it would it wouldn't predict their performance as well right yeah i'm not sure i think you could have a test where there's a overall main effect of race mm-hmm. uh right so like 
people from a certain racial group or ethnic group do worse. Mm -hmm. But the relatively speaking, the pe the people among that group who do better are still better equipped for college. But there, you know, like so, say there's just like five questions on the SAT. And I don't know what these questions might be, but there's five questions on the SAT that only white people can do, right? Right. So you you would then have it would be a biased test, right? Because right. every, every other racial group would be dinged that five mm -hmm. points, but it would still be predictive. Um, it would still be predictive because, uh, like, even though you, everybody's getting dinged five points, like the within group variation is still um, meaningful. So just Wait, because but everybody it's, everybody that's everybody's getting ding five points that's not white right yeah, so it, yeah, yeah. it will pre it will predict differentially for white people as opposed to non-white people well yeah i guess not necessarily right because mm. like if i if you take five points from every latino who takes the test yeah there's still a lot of within group variation among latinos mm. like they're not all getting like the lowest mark possible so I like see. it's still going to be just as predictive for that group in college so just like the fact that it's predictive for these groups doesn't prove that it's not discriminatory but i think the 100 years of testing by the ets is what proves it's not discriminatory because i think like essentially what they do is they make sure that uh, there's no questions where one race does better than another controlling right. for social class right so yeah. they if you're at the same sort of socioeconomic level Mm -hmm. And it that's always been interesting to me because we yeah. are really comfortable with it discriminating or distinguishing between um, higher yeah, SES kids and people. lower SES yeah. kids, uh, but not between races. The assumption is that higher SES kids um, have access to more education and um, mm -hmm. their environments are more conducive to performing better on these tests and ha having extra knowledge and I mean, like you just being exposed to more words as infants and stuff like yeah. that. Like this is all. So it's like, I guess from the ETS's point of view, it's like, well, it would be almost impossible to design a test where high SES kids weren't doing better than, than low SES kids. Um, which, but that sounds like kind of what UC Berkeley is going to try to do in three years. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess we should come back to the question of, like, yeah, what is, what is your goal with the admission? Like, I personally, mm. I'm just like so proud of the fact that, you know, I mean, UC Berkeley does like, you know, we have like more diverse student population, you know, we have more like students from underrepresented minorities than like all of the Ivy Leagues combined. Right. And Ooh, I think like, yeah, but we're worse than the other UCs. Yeah, that's true. That was we in are. the report. We are. Um, yeah, I, like I wouldn't. Yeah, I think UC Irvine is like forty or fifty percent, um, hmm. you know, Latinx students, which is you know amazing. But UC in general, like right, like I like did two years of my undergrad at UC Davis, and I you know I'm not at UC, but like I I do think that the the institution as a whole has always sort of valued diversity and inclusion, and they do their best to make sure that students of color feel welcome and you know that we give them the a fighting chance. Um, But it, but our, yeah, like it's, yeah. what is the goal? Like I, I was talking to another friend and they were like, what is the goal of admissions? Like, are we trying to select the best of the best from California high schools, right? Or like high schools of the world? Or is it like, what, what is, what is really the, the criterion? Because if you don't think that you are trying to select the best of the best, then yeah, maybe we don't need the SAT scores, right? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and. I mean, I, I guess the university has multiple goals. I mean, yeah. they are trying 
like one goal is to try to find the student and it, you know this is like official university policy one goal is to try to find the students who will perform best in university uh but another goal is diversity and access and yeah so i've there's um i mean hmm. okay so affirmative so, action <laughs> yeah yeah affirmative <laughs> to, action. like you know, get to like, I think the real issues here. Affirmative action was originally about mm -hmm. redressing historical wrongs. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like people were excluded from these institutions. Right. Um, in some cases, like for Harvard, for hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, so affirmative action was this move of saying, no, well, now you have to let mm -hmm. people in. Um, yes. And you will let people in and you'll let this many people in from the these groups mm -hmm. um not necessarily because they're the best of the best but because these groups deserve access to these institutions as well and this is like to make up for the historical injustices because i mean mm -hmm. yeah the reason that these groups don't score as well on the sats is like yeah slavery and like the enormous, so, yeah, and segregation, the and enormous resulting yeah. inequalities, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, like just to to have like admissions be purely about how well people do on a test, and you're just like, oh, sorry, sorry, black people, sorry, Latinos, you didn't do well enough on the test to get in, and yeah. ignore the fact that, you know, it's extremely likely that the reason they didn't mm -hmm. do as well on the test is because like of these historical injustices between the groups. So yeah, like I'm, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, but I guess like the, what, the way that connects to this decision is weird because it's like, okay, the report also told you that the test does work even for these groups mm -hmm. to find the students in those groups who do best at UC. So you're just getting rid of a tool that your own task force told you was useful, right? Like, so yeah. you can... Yeah, like you, you, it, and I guess there's other arguments that like, yeah, but it's like more apply if you don't have the test. Um, so it's more it, what? It's like a barrier to even application to have mm. to take the test because it's, you have to do the work to prepare. You have to pay money to take the test. If you want right. to do any test prep, that costs money. I mean, the SAT people do, do fee waivers. And as an Australian, yeah. I'm not very qualified to talk about this. Like, did you take the SAT? Well, I finished high school in India, so no. Ah. Mm. Um, I started at a community college, so I never had to take the SAT, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, like, that's another argument that, well, it's a barrier to low-income students. It's a barrier economic. To to, um, yeah, but at the same time, yeah, I don't know. Like, the if you believe what the UC report found, it's like you are just – they did find that it's predictive. It's a useful metric that helps you find the students who do best in university. And now you're just saying, well, we're not going to use it. We won't and look the, at that. The, yeah. And you're, I, I get that it's, it's definitely a good intention. And I think that same thing with the jury, right? People are saying we should also just like yeah. stop taking the jury. And I think again, all are coming from good intentions, but I was recently listening to this podcast, um, with this one episode by Freakonomics. Um, have you ever heard that podcast? And they yeah, were talking yeah. about um, this one policy that they had, I believe it was in Michigan, where they started this um, movement to what they called like ban the box. Mm. 
Mm. which is like to like get rid of this box that asks you, which I to get rid of this box and on job applications where they ask applicants if they have any like felony convictions, or like if they have any convictions, if they've been to jail or if they have any criminal record. And the idea is, yeah, you want to give this people, you know, a foot in the door, right? That you might not get an interview otherwise that you would now because you don't have to state it up front. And then you would still do like background checks later on if you get through the process. So the idea is we just sort of help these people get in to interviews and stuff. And then the thing though, is that when they did put this policy in place, it actually led to a decrease in like rates of hiring for black men, young black men, like was like a 5% decrease, even though it increased, I think, you know, rates of employment for older black men, right? So the idea is that people are, since they don't have that checkbox on the application, they're using certain heuristics in their head, right? Oh, you know, young black guy, right? Maybe they're have a criminal record. And so since they don't have that, they're using these heuristics that are just backfiring. Um, so again, I'm not sure how this might pan out, but this is just one concern I have. I'm like, okay, of well, course the intentions are good, but I don't know how this is going to play out, right? Especially in I fields think that will. might be, yeah. No, I think we're going to see like more and more diversity in coming classes. Because even this year, oh, when, when they were still using the SAT, we have there was the an article recently incoming, that- yep. Yeah, we have the most diverse incoming class, which, you know, you could argue what well, this is evidence that the SAT is not necessarily a barrier to diversity. Um, if we can mm-hmm. yeah, ha- have much can more still, diversity, even though we still right. use the SAT this year. Yeah. But I guess I would predict that there will be more diversity, but it won't necessarily be because they dropped the SAT. But I think a lot of people will probably we'll interpret it that way. Mm. Um and you'll see in other parts of the country people making the argument, look, the UC system dropped the SAT and now their incoming class became much more diverse. But in reality, I think like, I mean, they've hired a new person who has expressly said his, like his main goal is to make yeah. you know, um, UC Berkeley more diverse. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah. So it, I guess like... Um, and yeah, I feel like if, we, if there are things that we could do already... And we are doing already to like increase the diversity of our incoming class or just like our student population in general. I just, I mean, especially as like a researcher and a scientist, I just feel like, don't you think like more data is just better? Mm. Right? Like just saying no, like, oh, we don't want to know these things mm. just seems. Yeah. Well, I mean, not- yeah. Like, the, I mean, that's what I was kind of getting at before is like, it, the, your own report told you it's it's useful data like it's predictive yeah. predictive data so it, like it i mean they've done something with a clear cost and unclear benefit basically and mm. and they they did it right. and the reason they did it was like they said this thing about it doesn't assess the right content which to to that i would just say well so why is it predictive of performance that you yeah. see if it's not testing the right content and but the other thing they said is like and it doesn't align with our values mm. so so clearly, like the the claim being made there, I, I guess, is that like we value diversity, um, yeah. And these tests uh, provide a barrier to diversity, which, yeah, it, it, it's um, like, I mean, the re- I guess the report show the report did sort of acknowledge, yeah, like different different groups do score differently on these tests, so mm-hmm. like they are they do form part of a system of admissions that produces 
Yeah, a lack of diversity. It produces underrepresentation, right? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like different groups are scoring differently on this metric. So, like, if to the extent that we use this metric, you can sort of argue that it is a tool creating underrepresentation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, but I don't know. It, it's 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 interesting because. The yeah, I guess there's just these competing goals, because um, the university diversity and yeah. expressly wants diversity, but it also expressly wants um, the best students. And it was actually interesting. So this year they said that um, even though like it was the most diverse class, but it was also mm-hmm. like the academic standards were pretty much the same. Um, oh. Yeah, so like nice. the average SAT score dropped from like. 1419 to 1415 mm-hmm. and that was not a statistically significant difference or something the average ACT score was just the same the average high school yeah. grades were, were just the same even mm-hmm. um even though the class was more diverse so like yeah um I mean you know what I this might be a bit radical but I actually have always thought that yeah SAT scores are great right it's great to know where a person stands at the moment on these specific skills mm. But if if the UC system is trying to design something in the future that like I I don't think it's crazy to think that there might be some non what they call like non cognitive factors that might influence right like mm. even if I'm not starting out at the top right mm. like there I mean motivation I think you know I'm biased here obviously mm. but like I think motivation plays a huge role right like if I'm motivated to just improve yeah. right I think you could be at a different you could be at the same baseline mm-hmm. but I think you know, you would improve much less if you have lower motivation. And so I think yeah. those kind of factors do play a part to a certain extent yeah, in your academic outcomes. What happens when you design a test of those factors and groups score at different <laughs> groups, like exhibit different mean scores? It, you know, is that, is that testing? Mm. Like, okay. So this, so the, mm. this is one thing that I, I kind of wanted to talk about with this because like, um, you, like, Affirmative action is actually surprisingly like legally tenuous, right? So hmm. I've been kind of going down this rabbit hole today and yesterday of like um, all the sort of legal challenges to affirmative action in the United States and what the Supreme Court yeah. has said at different times and stuff like that. And um, like it, right now, um, now that um, Kavanaugh replaced mm-hmm. – who did he replace? I, I forget. But right, basically, like at this point, it, New- it no. seems like we're pretty much just waiting for affirmative action to be challenged again in the Supreme Court, and it will be sort of struck down as unconstitutional. So there's oh. this really complicated history Yikes. of legal challenges, and it's always been very, mm. very sort of close in the decisions. So at the moment, legally in the United States, it's this. Mm-hmm. It's super. It's super weird and super complicated. But basically, my understanding is, mm. you can use race. You can make race conscious decisions, right? But all this stuff is a lot of stuff's illegal. So you can't have racial quotas. Right. Um, that's illegal. You can't use. Wait. Yeah, like you, it's you can't have racial quotas. So then, what is affirmative action? Well, you can't have racial quotas. Yeah, well, that's the weird thing about this country, right? Like, so racial quotas are illegal, but at the same time, any institution that falls below a certain point 
is criticized and has to change everything to re- like but it's just they they can't like mm. have that officially in their in their institutions so so what's mm. legal so and that's it's because also of illegal. title nine right it's illegal because of what is it title nine where it's like no, you can't title nine's the um sexual assault employment it's like Um, employment right you can't base employment decisions on anyway yeah 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 so like technically in the constitution you're not supposed to like take race into account in in decisions and uh public universities get um public money so they have to like but yeah so it's also illegal so there was a system that i think the university of michigan had where they had a point system and if you were like black or latino you got 20 points Mm -hmm. And that was that the Supreme Court deemed unconstitutional and illegal, right? So, mm-hmm. so all you're allowed to do is this weird thing of like taking race into account on a case by case basis, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't have any systematic university wide, mm-hmm. institutional wide metric that like benefits people or hurts people based on race. Hmm. But you are allowed on a case-by-case basis to take race into account. And I'm reading this and it it makes no fucking sense to me whatsoever because, like, surely you need a systemic way of doing this thing. Like, if we – like, if you're saying, like, yeah, like, somebody with an SAT score of of X – is a better candidate if they're from a marginalized group because like they've overcome more barriers and that or or right. just or yeah because like we're making up mm-hmm. for slavery yeah surely you need it to be in a like a systematic, systematic way. so there's this but lawsuit also, going on currently go ahead this is so tricky because i think isn't yale just getting um didn't yale mm-hmm. just get sued for mm-hmm. Discriminated against white and Asian students based on their yeah, race. Yeah, yeah. So the Department of Justice has just yeah. sued Yale. Um, right. So yeah, conservatives are really pushing and trying now to get it back to the Supreme Court to sort of overturn yeah. it and, and and like mm-hmm. basically end race conscious uh, admissions. Yeah. Um, and the the case that may do it is this uh, Harvard case. So mm. there's a, a group of um, Asian American students mm-hmm. who are suing Harvard and right. arguing that they would have got into Harvard had they been any other race but Asian. Right. Um, right. Uh, but they were not. Uh, they were rejected uh, despite having um, test scores and sort of academic records and extracurricular activities. That for any right. other any other race would have given them a very very high chance uh, of chance, getting into yeah. Harvard, and right. and like, they seem like they're docking them on things like personality or like- <laughs> yeah well that's the that's been that's really like the crazy thing about it right so like Harvard has argued that um, no we do not penalize people because they're Asian we right. take into account other factors. Um, right. Uh, and it just so happens that Asian people score really badly on these other factors, right? So, like, and this really connects to this interesting thing of, like, is a test discriminatory if different groups score differently on it? Because, mm-hmm. like, these um, sort of high achieving in terms of grades, these Asian students are getting scored systematically lower on, um, and interestingly, not by 
alumni interviews. So like it's a complex system. Harvard has a really complex system, Hmm. but they have, they do alumni interviews where they meet a Harvard alumni and the alumni scores them on personal characteristics and Asian students Mm. scored just as well as white students on that metric. But Mm -hmm. the admissions like department at Harvard also gives people scores on things like courage, kindness, uh, uh, I forget the Based others. Based on their applications? Yeah, I guess. Oh. And wow. they score much lower systematically on those decisions. Yikes. So yeah. the plaintiffs are arguing that, no, they, they just don't want too many Asians at Harvard. <laughs> and they, but, but it's interesting because like they're trying to, yeah. So I was listening to this pod earlier today and it was basically saying like, Asians are being discriminated against in decisions yeah. um, to get into Harvard, but it's really like the main problem is not affirmative action. The main problem is legacy students, uh, mm. wealthy students, student athletes. Right. So Harvard is just doing this weird sort of thing where they, you know, claim to be for diversity uh, and equity and e- equality, but uh, like something like 43% of white students there are either legacy or, mm. or like athletes or something like this. And, they have this enormous endowment uh, that they have to sort of grow and maintain. And, mm. and part of that is admitting students of wealthy people who donate wish, shit tons yeah. of money to the, to the university. So, like, if the lawsuit is successful, like, if it gets to the Supreme Court and it is found that Harvard is discriminating against these Asian students, yeah, um, yeah, it may be the case that more Asians can get in if they, uh, you know, are kicking out the the few black and Latino students at Harvard, but the the main problem will very likely persist in terms of these legacy admissions. And but I mean, how likely is Harvard to stop those? Right? Well, I don't know. I mean, this has been going on for so long, and it just seems so complicated to me. So, like, yeah. there was this in the seventies, I believe. The Supreme Court um, tried two separate cases on the same day, and oh. they were both about Michigan, and one was about the undergrad um, University of Michigan undergrad University of Michigan undergrad admissions, and okay. the other was about the law school admissions, so oh, po- postgrad okay. admissions. Mm-hmm. And they basically the plaintiff won in the undergrad one, and they mm-hmm. had to change their system because it was declared unconstitutional. Yeah. But the university one in the postgrad one, because it was yeah. the decision was, um, the decision was like diversity is an important enough uh, goal, and it's an impo- important enough social good, and sort of uh, it improves the educational environment enough of an entire university to justify race conscious admissions. Uh, but on a case-by-case basis. Hmm. So, yeah, like the to what the Asian Americans have to do in the in the Harvard case is prove that um, this like discrimination against them is not just case-by-case. It's systemic. It's systemic. It's for sort all of Asian, automatic. Yeah. It's unavoidable. Um, they they mm. don't deserve. And it's funny because like it was actually like. It was thrown out of court by a judge and the judge in the decision said something like, hey, maybe Asians 
do have worse personalities. <laughs> Honestly, like this is what she's. This is what she or he said wow. was like. Well, we can't we can't rule it out that this is a totally valid metric, and there just are these group differences, which is so interesting <laughs> if you contrast that to the plaintiffs in the UC the UC case, which right. is who are like no any test. That shows, that shows group differences. group differences is a racist test, then we have to get yeah. rid of that test. So, like, yeah, it's very, it's just weird and confusing and complicated to me. And I, yeah, I mean, it, and I, I mean, from the Asian, like, I, yeah, you know, I mean, I can't fault certain Asian students if they applied to Harvard and did it, right? Like, if you think that really the system is where you, worked your ass off and you were mm. getting these fantastic grades and you're doing all mm. these things and you're like, you know, and then you find out that, mm. you know, this university sort of like dinging points off from your application for these like arbitrary mm. categories that, you know, yeah. like that seems a I mean, bit unfair. Yeah, it does. When you reduce it to the micro level like that. Yeah. Like their lawyer uh, released a report um by a sort of a labor market economist and so he sort of did a bunch of logistic regressions and he figured out that like with equivalent grades um an an asian student had like like one one tenth the chance of of like a black student of, of getting into harvard or something like that or maybe like maybe it was more than that maybe it was like I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's sort of like a much less chance with sort of equivalent grades, equivalent extracurricular activities, equivalent high school uh, GPA had much less chance um, of getting into Harvard than a white student yeah, and much, 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 much less chance than a black student. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about these issues a lot when I was in college, except my brother, I remember pointing out once that when you apply to schools like Harvard or Stanford, right, you are not compared to everybody else. You're compared to people within your, right? Like, so they'll mm. compare Asian students to other Asian students, right? So I'm mm. being compared yeah. to other Asian students, mm. which mm. also seems like a bit unfair, right? Because they're all really smart. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, I mean, but I, it, it, like, I, like Asians, Asians do like perform exceptionally well on any kind of standardized test and and it's and it's almost certainly well to me anyway like a result of like cultural differences absolutely absolutely right there's a lot of sort of familial and cultural and community focus on education then you get like we were talking about during our mm. um, education like episode right? should, like, I've, I've heard um, <laughs> I've heard some theories that like like rice farming prepares you for like a mindset because it's so complicated to find like fa- like yeah so like there's <laughs> there's all sorts of but I thoughts think of like, like in like Asian cultures at least I, I think there is this idea of like just you know work ethic right like you kind of just have to work for it mm-hmm. right that you just sort of put your head down and you really like, I mean I remember being in, like I was in when I was in college right I did pretty much very little apart from studying and i know that's true for a lot of other asian students right you kind of just like put your head down and you do and you're like you know yeah yeah. and it's 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 funny because like in some ways if this country wants to have affirmative action like and i i think most of us do yeah 
if, in some ways it sort of relies on Asian people sort of just like taking one for the team in a way like you yeah. you you guys kind of just have to accept that sort of give up on the idea compared to everybody yeah. compared to everybody else you need you need comparatively comparatively much better grades to have a similar chance of getting into the institutions yeah. you want to get into like so this is this is actually blowing up right now with those selective public schools in New York that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago mm. um so they um there's been a similar push with this SAT thing so these schools traditionally were all about the test right mm. they that's the only thing they looked at to get in and they're just like they're full of Asians. Mm. Uh, so now um, in New York, there's a push like people are like in a very similar way to the SAT. They're saying these tests, these tests are discriminatory. They're not fair. Um, you need to let uh, more uh, people from marginalized groups into these schools and a bunch of Asian parents are complaining because it's right. like, it's really, really important for them to get into these schools yeah. And they, I guess from their point of view, they feel like, no, like it's, it's all about the test. And like the, you know, we, if we work hard enough to do well on the test, we deserve our place in the school yeah. is where they're coming from. Right? right. So, but I don't know how I feel about that because like I said, like there's that research that shows that it doesn't even really matter that much if you get in these schools or not. <laughs> so like, let's, can, can you know, let, let, let other people I mean, in. Maybe it, not it's objectively, not, but right. Sure. It's if you if you've kind of worked if you have a goal and you've kind of worked towards it and you've put all your you know your mind towards it and you're working really mm. hard and then you realize that you didn't get in just because you know they've just decided the, you know what? the rules are different <laughs> We're now trying right? to make up that's- for slavery <laughs> I mean that it's pretty compelling it's yeah, like yeah no, you did that's- you did really well we're trying to make up for slavery here's some research that shows it doesn't even really matter that much if you get into school or not right but I, I mean, don't know is- like if but shouldn't the goal be to not to like help black students do just as well? Or, yes, I, right? I I would agree with I would agree with that, and I, I guess I don't agree. Yeah, to me, it's like like tell me, explain to me what what's wrong with quotas? Like, if you're <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, it, right. it, like. If we agree that there was these enormous historical injustices and mm-hmm. that's the reason black students don't score as well in the SAT as white students, and we agree that like access is really important. Why can't we have wouldn't it be better just to be honest about that yeah. and say, Well, yeah, okay, the, this is our history, this is what we're doing to make up for it, and this is why we reserve this many places at Harvard and this many right, places right. at Stuyvesant and this many places. Cause then you wouldn't have to do this bullshit of pretending that Asian students have shitty personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Then like, you could just so, be, yeah. And I think like, I mean, and so something r- like this happens in India. I don't know if you're aware, but there's, mm. so we have all these, um, so it's a cat. It used to be a caste system, right? So you had mm. certain um, castes that were completely at the bottom. Right. So what, yeah, what yeah. used to be called like untouchables, untouchables or, you know, so. right. Yeah. Um, and so there are quotas and universities and stuff where you have like a limited, mm. like a set number of, um, you know, seats for students who come from these, what they call like, well, oh God, this is so awful just to say, it, but like backward classes, like back, backward casts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people do complain is the same thing, right? I mean, India education system in India is so competitive and there are people mm. that just like, you know, work mm. their asses off like all year mm. like for a couple of years to get into these universities and so their argument is the same as other asian students right which is like we work so hard 
and we're we, we're scoring at like you know the 95th percentile and then you have another student at the 40 40th percentile from mm. this cast that's getting in and to them it seems unfair um i agree with you i, I don't think there's anything wrong with these quotas um because yeah we we you know we didn't give some subset of the population the same kind of opportunities that yeah. other people got so we kind of do have to make up for it yeah yeah i guess you, yeah i mean where it gets difficult is okay do you have a quota of asians right <laughs> because like mm. they're like six percent of the u.s population but based on test scores and based on sort of their performance in high school they sh yeah if you're going by that as an indication of merit they deserve much more than six percent of like places in u.s universities so like but for me and i have kind of always thought this and i, I remember making this argument in a facebook argument years ago like why not just have you quotas for underrepresented groups and then for for groups who can't make compelling arguments for like being historically disadvantaged like say i don't know white people uh, but I mean, if you're Japanese in the US, yeah. right, you can make that argument. I or guess if you can. You're, <laughs> you yeah. can. I guess like, yeah, I guess my vision is like, you just let everybody duke it out for the remaining spots. And then probably <laughs> they're like, white people become underrepresented because we yeah. just get dominated by Asians. But then like, I, mean, I don't know. I, I kind of, th I think white people could suck it up and like study harder if they really wanted to. I guess, and really I mean, if you're trying to, Berkeley? if you're trying to get your student population mirror exactly the population of the country or the state, I mean, that's not, that seems yeah, like a, weird. the, yeah, that seems like a kind of a difficult goal to achieve. Yeah, but that, this, I don't know, like, at least it's transparent, right? Like, and the thing is, like, these institutions are constantly getting criticized for not reaching these levels. Yeah. But at the same time, it's illegal for them to like explicitly try to really reach right. these levels. So it leads to all this just weird yeah. mumbo jumbo about like, uh, yeah, but we, we actually found that Asian students are not kind. <laughs> like, so that's <laughs> why. And here's the thing. It's like, like this is, I mean, I think you know this already. This is my stance. This is the completely the wrong intervention point. Like mm. you, right? Like college admissions are just not the right place to intervene to try to address these disparities. Well, okay, I kind of disagree with that. Okay. Oh wow, um, this is amazing. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. I, I think it's like it's not an intervention point where you can intervene and fix all of society's problems. Right. But it's certainly an intervention point where you have a lot of power. Hmm. Right. So like there's a, yeah. like it's a lever that you can reach. Right. A lot of other levers like funding you know, for schools like and the yeah. basic, you know, socioeconomic inequality, right. um, family environments, like crime rates in different neighborhoods. Like a lot of that stuff is very, very hard to pull a lever on. But university admissions is a lever we can pull. I mean, but that's you're saying that because you're in the university equal. system, right? If you were mm. in government, then, right? If mm. you're working for the Department of Education, mm. then that's not a difficult lever for you to pull. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking just from our perspective, right? But but it's not, as a society, well, is that really yeah. the point at which we should be intervening? I, I agree that we well, should be doing no, something I mean, about it at the point that we can intervene at, which is at the university yeah. level, but yeah, yeah, as a society, yeah. is that the correct place this, to intervene? I, I, yeah, maybe not in a perfect world, but we're not in a perfect True. world, right? Yeah. Like we, you know, and and I think like people that people that want to promote diversity and want to promote racial equality should be doing it at whatever level. Generally, 
end up working in a university admissions department. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's just somewhere where like right. people can do something. Right. And I I actually do think there's interesting arguments about like side effects of, mm. of affirmative action. And we, we've talked about that before referencing Jonathan Haidt. But I think I still do come down on the side of ultimately it's a good thing. Right. Uh, I just, yeah, it gets very complex with Asian Americans to me. Like I, I like these, there was this really, I think Wesley Rang, Wesley Yang Mm -hmm. wrote a really good piece in, uh, the New York times about it. And he recounts this, um, this, uh, thing that happened at the trial where, um, they had a administrator of. The one of the Harvard lawsuit with I the see. Asian students. Mm-hmm. And so like they had a um administrator from Stuyvesant, the selective school in New York, where apparently a bunch of the plaintiffs went to Stuyvesant. Hmm. And she was on the stand for some reason, I don't know, but apparently she started crying. And the lawyer uh um asked her, like, oh, we can take a break, like, you know, why are you crying? And she was like, you know, like because when you because she wasn't aware of these numbers about like how asian asian students are required to have like a much higher gpa Mm -hmm. and like much higher sat scores to get admitted into harvard than non-asian students yeah and she was saying like yeah like when you just confront me with these numbers it really feels like discrimination and like i'm looking at these kids faces and i know these kids and it just makes me cry like it makes me cry to like yeah. because I, I know them they're not just numbers to me right. like they're not just like yeah so i don't know i guess like yeah it's 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 complicated and i i i guess i don't yeah i don't really know the answer like i'm i'm pretty sure like affirmative action is a good thing like we have to make up for these historical injustices mm-hmm. but surely there like if there's communities like asian americans that are working their working their butts off yeah. and like really, really want to go to Harvard and like get better marks than get better marks than white students or black students or Latino students and like to to reject them. I mean, but I guess the argument Yeah, but the argument on the other side is right, like that we're kind of changing our criteria now, right? That it's not just mm. test scores, right? That we mm. there are other things that we care about. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. Which, which I, and I, I, and I honestly so feel like you're right that if we do say that explicitly and there are these, like, I think mm. people would be like, okay, that's fair, right? That's, mm. you know, yeah. that we understand that. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to use those historical arguments to justify having a quota of Asians in an institution, right? Yeah. Like, so you can definitely say, yeah, there was, there was slavery that, you know, like there was, mexican-american war like there's all 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 these reasons why we want to have quotas of latinos blacks it's hard to really like say well this is why we want to cap the number of asians i mean people did that with jews for a while in this country Mm. like in the 20s like there was like caps on the number of jews because they were like testing really highly performing really well and like take taking over yale so people were and this is actually why university started not relying on tests but relying on like personality assessments and stuff like that because that that was like a way they could sort of discriminate against Jews. My goodness. And, and I mean, like, when you're talking about Asian students, right, you also have to remember that not all Asians are the same, right? Yeah, super different. But, but, right? if like you come, but if you're an Asian that comes from like Cambodia or Philippines, right, that's a completely different experience than coming from, you know, Hong Kong or 
you know, China. Yeah, yeah. And immigrant groups differ vastly on access to resources and stuff like that. So, yeah, like... um, Exactly. That's that's true. I mean, I don't know if Harvard takes that into account. I mean, I kind of... I don't know. Yeah. It's... But it's I, I'm complicated. It, it, well, I mean, yeah, of course. That's what we're talking about, Paul. <laughs> if it was yeah. cut and dry, we wouldn't be discussing yeah. it. But I do want to like talk a little bit about the question of if a test is leading to differential scores, but like within groups, then it's a discriminatory test. Because mm. to me, that sounds like you could make that argument about any test, mm. right? You could make yeah. that argument about your 10th grade math test. You could make that argument, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can make that argument about GPA at Berkeley. Right. (laughs) I mean, if if we accept the argument that any test where different ethnic groups score differently, like, so any kind of metric that returns different means for different groups is a discriminatory test, then we would have to do away with all grading. All tests of any kind, any assessment, uh, right. Yeah, right, right. So it's not, yeah, I don't think it's a, really well thought through coherent no um, idea but i guess like i guess somebody might say well you know undergrad grades like that that's not determining access to this institution but it, i mean it does determine access to grad school mm-hmm. right? so yeah like i think if you do take this argument to the logical conclusion you end up in quite a weird place like you end up in like well maybe we should just randomly yeah. assign but i mean how many people are trying to get into grad school right it's a very very small number that's trying to get into grad school but if you do get no, access to not- and you get a bachelor's from uc berkeley i mean that's in the huge right well i think a lot of people are trying to get more people are trying to get into grad school than are accepted into grad school i'm pretty sure definitely at berkeley that's the case i had to i had to grade some of the applications one year and it was it was a lot it was a lot, yeah. But I mean, that's also because it's UC Berkeley, right? That's I'm sure not true mm. for all colleges. So if you take a look, everybody that graduates from college, it's probably a very mm. small percentage of that that's trying to get to graduate school. That's true. Yes, that's true. But I guess, like, I mean, I mean, my point was that you you can't really argue that undergrad grades are not like consequential. Are they? But that's my point. Unless you're trying to grad mm. school, uh, unless you're trying to get to grad school, which again well, I think is a small subset. How does it really matter? I mean, I, mean, I don't d- think d- they, d- they determine who passes and who <laughs> gets a degree, right? Sure, but and, but and degrees you could, determine. You could pass with a four point zero, or you could pass with a you know two point five. Yeah. You still get a degree. Well, yeah, I didn't do undergrad here, so I don't really know how it works. But I'm sh- I'm pretty sure you can flunk out of college. <laughs> yeah, but. I, like I'm sure it's very hard. Yeah. And no, no, no. Once great. you like, once you've graduated, point, right? you've graduated. It doesn't matter. Grades. If you're... Grades determine who flunks out and who graduates. Right. And grades show racial differences. Mm-hmm. Therefore, by the logic of the plaintiffs, grades are a discriminatory grades metric. Are. Right. And they're being like it's systemic racism. It's 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 a metric that's being used as a gatekeeper on graduation from college, which mm. then leads to like opportunities in life. So like, yeah, I, I I do think if you do follow this logic to its logical conclusion, you just end up in this space where okay, there can be no tests, no assessment, yeah, of of anything, and um. And that's a that's a weird place. I mean, I, I have a hippie friend who would be like, "Yeah, <laughs> Let's she's like, we, we need to like 
redesign education completely. I mean, it's I'm all... totally down for that. Like, I feel like the, the hyper focus on like GPA and grades is awful. And I say that as somebody who like cried the first time I got an A minus. And, and I was, <laughs> I'm not even joking, Paul. I emailed my professor like, hey, can I take, we take this class? And she, uh, she was so sweet. She that was explains like, so much. <laughs> That explains so much, Smithy. But, and you know what really bothers me about you the cried use of- <laughs> Because you got an A minus. I, I went from a four point GPA to like a three point whatever. Oh and I was just like, this is the awful. Goodness. And here's the kicker at least UC Davis, and I'm sure at UC Berkeley, if you, if you get an A plus, then you, then you just, then you don't get like a 4.3, you just get a 4.0. But if it's an mm. A minus, then you get a 3.7. Which I think is bullshit because I had because my A pluses on A minus is balanced out, so I. Should... <laughs> but I was like, if I, but apparently well, I, lo- I thought I had seen kids with GPA. Like I don't understand GPA at all. I let me just <laughs> let me just admit this. Like I don't like considering I've been teaching in the American system for five years. Yeah. I understand very little about it. I mean, uh, but um, I thought I had seen students with like five GPAs from high school. Ah, I thought it was college. I don't, I don't think know. you can do that unless unless Berkeley counts their like pluses, A pluses. Maybe, which, maybe. Um, but I know that if you apply no. to law school, apparently they count your A pluses. So I was like, maybe I'll go to law school <laughs> just so I'll have a four point. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so so I understand the focus on grades. Like, trust me, I'm one of those people. That's hilarious. But That's hilarious. <laughs> all I wanted to say is like I understand the. Like I, I do think that we should like focus less on grades because if I if I wasn't so like hell bent on having a 4.0 GPA, I would have taken more math classes, and that would have I even mm. in high school would mm. have taken more math if I wasn't worried about you know getting that 90% score in 10th yeah, like 12th grade. And I and I, I I feel so bad about it because mm. you know if somebody had said to me, hey, don't worry about this, this doesn't really matter so much. Like try to build skills and do things that. Like, I, I feel like mm. I would have taken just more, you know, math, maybe some people, just, yeah, stuff like that. So, that's like, that like, is a really focus on I mean, learning. I've had um, yeah. some of my research assistants at Berkeley. So, Berkeley for a while was going to make every undergrad uh, psychology student take Calculus 1A. I think they should um, do that. And the they freaked out because that yeah. is a that is a hard class like i i took that class it's, yeah. very, it's very difficult i I like passed it just mm. and um i had like research assistants that were just like this is really going to take my gpa and like mm. it's really important for me to have a, a high gpa like yeah. i want to go to grad school like this is right. and so like the students revolted and they like walked back from that plan after like mm. one semester of it but like for one semester there was all these undergrad psychology majors at Berkeley just absolutely freaking the fuck out because they had to do calculus. Yeah. And yeah, like I was, I remember like feeling bad because I was like, ah, like, yeah, like for me it was different. Like I took it pass fail. Right. I didn't have to, like I'm a grad student, like yeah. my GPA doesn't matter. Like I, I wasn't worried about it. So I just got to take the class and try to learn stuff. But yeah, like you're right. I think it would enable people to branch out more take classes yeah. where they weren't certain they were going to do well i mean and i mean there's no reason why students still couldn't take calculus pass no pass even if it's not a requirement right but mm. it just since you're just more focused mm. and i and I, I actually don't think it's a bad idea to get more psych students to take calculus because it's mm. anyway no we can get into that no. another time i mean i 
Yeah, I've forgotten it all already. But I like I. I, I mean, did I've never taken calculus, and I, got, and I, I just got a lot more comfortable with equations and maths and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. And, um, a lot of it is, so I it think, math is just so scary. And there's some people who are like, "Oh, I'm going to go mm. in." Like, you know, I came to psychology because there is no math. Like, why mm. do I have to do this? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, one thing, the other point I wanted to make was like related to the GRE because it does look like our department's going to drop the GRE. Um, oh, does it? And I think so. Like, uh, I'm not so I mean, sure. If, I, I thought my email was they rather persuasive. Drop the SAT university wide um, right. on the basis that it's racist. So, do you really think our department is going to say no? We're going to keep the jury. I don't think so at all. Not at all. Anyway, we can have a side bet on that. Um, yeah, that's a good but point. One yeah. thing I did think about was like, you know what? I really am not sure I'd be here without the jury. Mm. So it made me like a little bit sad Aww. for like other Paul Connors out there who like might. <laughs> develop a dream of going to Berkeley and just be like in this weird country on like in the Southern hemisphere where nobody really like our grading system is so different. Like yeah. I, I, my grades from university were like, you got a H1 or a H2 or a H2A. And yeah. like you, if you come to the U S and you're like, Hey, like let me in a Berkeley, I have a H1 average. <laughs> which is like, what the what does that fuck even does mean? that mean? So like the GRE really was my chance right, to, to show people at Berkeley. Hey, like I, you know, I could, I could succeed yeah. in grad school. Like I, I, I I'm, I'm good at I mean, they reasoning. could also turn your H1 into comparable, right? To turn it into some metric that's that would make or like that's do a translation. Though. And I think that's going to be more and more difficult if we get rid of standardized testing. And this mm. is one thing I was thinking about, right? Like, yeah. so if nobody's taking the SAT, how are we going to account for grade inflation in high schools, right? So, oh, like, yeah. do you know and what I mean? And if you like have international we, students coming from, if there's you know, no yeah. standardized metric, right? And I think. The university just doesn't really care about that because, like, div diversity has become the main goal. Yeah. And I think that they know that there's more than enough talented students of all ethnicities to, like, and, you know, as long as, mm. like, you know, the university maintains its prestige, which, which it probably will do because it's such yeah. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, the only reason it's prestigious is because people want to go there and the only people <laughs> people want to go there is because <laughs> it's prestigious. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like – so I think they know that it'll it'll be fine. Either way, yeah. Um, but I do like, and I also just that thing of like, okay, nobody's taking the SATs. You know, what are the rich families going to do? They're going to be like, okay, well, all that time and money and energy we would have spent on the SAT, now we need to spend that on these other metrics yeah. that the University of California is taking into account. And so, like, I, you know, I suspect it'll do very, very little to. Uh, uh, remove group differences on whatever objective metrics you're trying to use. Um, but I don't know. It certainly, uh, it certainly seems like the UC system is just like now in this mode of valuing diversity really highly. And mm -hmm. I kind of expect that to just continue. Yeah. And to the extent that they've removed the barrier by re removing the SAT, I, I expect that incoming classes will be more and more diverse. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's fine. I do think, yeah, there may be some Asian students who miss out yeah, uh, who might otherwise have got in, but I don't know. I guess going back to two podcasts ago, I kind of think those students will be will do just as well Just in life. fine. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I think you might be right go to for some, a change, Paul. If they have to go to some, like, worse university like Stanford. For state school. 
Yeah, they'll be fine. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you to everybody that's been listening to us. Like we, you know, are very grateful. Um, grateful and surprised. Yeah. And surprised. <laughs> yeah. We assumed you all had better things to do with your time, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, but yeah, if you have any more, yeah, any you know comments, any uh, feedback, you can yeah. find us on Twitter at more of a comment. All right, well, have a fantastic weekend, Paul, and I will talk to you next week. Yep. Peace out.